<laughs> yeah. Know? Everyone's like in a, in a semi-translucent kind of pod. Like the bottom half is like a, a bed and the top half is like is this clear plexiglass kind of half oval egg where they're all sleeping in and everyone's kind of wrapped in gauze like so much to the point we can totally see john hurt's dick and balls like when they open yeah. his fucking cover because it is just right there he is he is front and center there with him with Yoko oh yeah Toto. dude straight up now tell me man yeah dude he's just right there he has he's the uh the go-getter of this film his character at least is you know he's oh man put it dude, out there he, so i guess he poor guy there. yeah for sure jesus this is jesse ventura you're listening to Children of the Adams. Hello, everybody. We're back. Again. Yes. And very excited. I'm, I'm very excited for today's show. Very excited, too. This is a, an unexpected kind of diver, like diversion for us, or uh, I guess we're diverting from our usual, uh, not usual, I guess. Like, we cover a lot of movies, not just bad ones. A lot of bad movies. We do skew <laughs> towards the quote bad ones. Although, uh, this one is uh, is quite the exception. Um, it's a very, very, very good movie. And we're not the only ones who think so. Uh, it's globally lauded as being fantastic. Probably uh, one of the most iconic sci-fi movies uh, around, right? Like, at least oh, in the past I, 50 years. Absolutely. Sci-fi horror. I mean, it's yeah, just... Yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, even better. Yeah. Uh, 1979's Alien. Starring Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, Yafit Kodo, John Hurt, Ian Holm. I mean, just, uh, you had kind of alluded to this uh, before we started recording that the uh, for a horror movie, you don't really see a, a cast of this acting caliber. No. Right? Like, this it's is, very I mean, strange to have, like, the people of this, you know, of this kind of credibility in a sci-fi horror movie. Yeah, John Hurt, Ian Holm. I mean, these are big time yeah. English actors. Yep. You know, you got Sergioni Weaver. I mean, at this time, she was, she was Broadway. still like, yeah, she was known on Broadway basically. And that's where Ridley mm-hmm. Scott knew her from. So she was fairly new. Yeah. But you got still, you got Tom Skerritt coming in here. Yafit yeah, Koto, Harold Mudd. I mean, dude, he was a fucking name by then. Oh yeah, I mean, this is, I, yeah, it's it's awfully strange too. And it and what we'll get into in this movie too is, like, Tom Skerritt, like he's top build in this film. Yeah, so, he is. <laughs> I mean, your your top build person. I mean, because you go into this film, you don't know who the hell the hero is in this thing. And this no, this is it's just one of the charms of this movie. I can't wait to talk about. It. It's it's gonna be good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> how, how about we just give a a, 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 a quick little uh, plot synopsis, and then we'll just dive right into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah. Okay. So basically, for those unaware. I, this movie is uh, it centers around a group of space truckers, I guess, or salvagers, like whatever they are. They're they're long haul space, like uh, a space crew in a long expedition. They're uh, they're cryogenically frozen at some point because the journey's going to take so long. So they're slowing, they're aging, which is a, a very overlooked but super cool aspect. <laughs> fucking of the movie, <laughs> yes. they just glance right over in like two seconds. They're like, "Fuck it, we're this smart, we're moving on." Like, it's just kind of thrown away. Uh, so the crew was awakened uh, by their ship because they picked up a distress signal. And being that they're literally, like, in the middle of nowhere, according to them, you know, and considering that their space fares, the middle of nowhere to them has really got to be desolate. Uh, they're picking up a strange repeating signal. They go to check it out uh, on an alien world. Lo and behold, they discovered alien craft. And as you could imagine, uh, you know, not really hilarity ensues. More like a lot of <laughs> violence and terror ensues, but you know, oh, man. you get the gist. It's basically uh, Jaws in space for uh, for an easy comparison. 
I think that's a, that's a good uh, analogy there. Yeah. For how is. little the, the creature's actually shown, like in, in the first kind of, you know, in the first good chunk of the movie. Yeah. Like the full, full fledged alien. Hey, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can just tell you right now, the alien has about four minutes of screen time in this entire film. Yeah. Is it's, it really that inc- little? It's incredibly how, how low it is, but I mean, it's, but the, but the, but the moments that it's on screen, it's effective. Very effective. Man. Yeah. So the movie opens up uh, to get into it a little further. Uh, you know, it, it's very kind of a 2001 looking like, a, oh, like, oh, like man. It, the, the spaceship itself does look pretty junky. Like the cockpit, like it, it, it looks like, you know, like you would expect people to actually be in space, but the actual sleeping chamber itself looks, you know, it looks kind of 2001 ish, right? It, it, it has that whole kind of futuristic. Everything's all kind of very bathed in white light and every, it looks very serene. You know? Yes. So this, I mean, this opening scene, like of the ship fl- uh, flying through space, because this this movie has a very slow opening. It's just it does. You know, the 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 music here is just very slow, slow and yeah, you know, you're seeing the ship come across, and if if it looks familiar, you know, you might have seen something like that a couple years earlier <laughs> if you saw Star Wars, and <laughs> just you know, a little Star- indie movie that came out a couple y- years. Yeah, and then Star Wars, you know, it kind of lifted that from 2001. If you've seen that movie, it's it's a fantastic <laughs> film. You know, but this this very much lifts from from both of those. I mean, this to to put it mildly, I mean, this film would not exist if Star Wars wasn't such an amazing hit a couple of years earlier, nineteen seventy seven. It'd have been a real it, hard goddamn sell at the studio. Yeah, because people weren't all into sci fi. I mean, if you if if you watch two thousand one, two thousand one is a very slow movie. It's a very it's a very it's a great movie, <laughs> but it's it's a very strange movie. Um, yeah. You know, it's not exactly, you know, like what you would imagine a sci-fi movie today is. But so, yeah, there wasn't a big market for it. But Star Wars came out, blew everybody away. All of a sudden, everybody had an idea for a for a science fiction film. This one just happened to be, uh, you know, in uh, a couple of writers' uh, pocket there. Uh, oh, golly, I, I lost their names. Uh, yeah, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Schuster. Ronald Schuster, yeah. Yeah, like they had this thing. This was brought up to 20th Century Fox. And like they were like, yeah, let's let's do this thing. And got Ridley Scott, and the kind of the rest is kind of history there. <laughs> yeah, because this and movie, Mar- Suchet, just for a little background, we've actually covered a couple of his movies. Uh, Writer of Total Recall. I mean, uh, yep. I, I, so many just yeah, Free Jack was another completely <laughs> off the wall movie, but it does have its merits. You know what I mean? Uh, there's some other pretty good ones in there, but you know, you've you've probably heard us definitely talk about. <laughs> At least one or two. Of them yeah. Before this, this would have been one of his better ones. I will say. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's <laughs> but, still King Kong lives, but you know, yeah, it's fine. But it's so good. I mean, because like this movie, unlike Star Wars, it it's going to bring an element of horror in. And mm-hmm. and you said it yourself as as we're you know we're we're panning past the star this this starship as they're on their way home. And we're going through the ship and you just kind of see how, yeah, dirty and, and nasty this thing is. It's one of the charms of this film is how, I guess for lack of a better, better word, lived in this spaceship right. is. It's like, it's like what you would expect to see like on an oil rig, yeah. you know, out, out in the Gulf or something. It's like, you believe there's actually been people living on this thing for a couple of years now. Cause it yeah, definitely looks you, like it. Yeah. I think you use the term space truckers. Cause that's what these guys are. This, yeah. that was the, that was the premises of this film was space truckers in space. You know, they were, they are there doing a job. They're there. I, I don't think they get into exactly what they're mining or what, what they're doing. Nope. Uh, it's, it's never getting, actually covered. 
yeah, they're mining some kind of ore for a company back on Earth, and they're right now they're transporting that load back home, mm-hmm. and yeah, they're woken up because yeah. But then we get to their their sleeping pods, and this is where I feel yeah, it's it's very much Star Wars mixed with two thousand one. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it is. It's so pristine and white, and also. So, like, it, it goes for that 70s feel of what the future held for us, you yeah. know? Yeah, everyone's, like, in a, in a semi-translucent kind of pod. Like, the bottom half is, like, a, a bed, and the top half is, like, is this clear plexiglass kind of half oval egg where they're all sleeping in. And everyone's kind of wrapped in gauze. Like, so much to the point, we could totally see John Hurt's dick and balls, like, when they open <laughs> his fucking cover, because it is just right there. He is he is front and center there with him with the oh, yeah. photo. Dude, straight up now, tell me, man. Yeah, dude, he's just right there. <laughs> well, he... <laughs> He has, he's the, uh, the go-getter of this film. His character, at least, is, you know, he's oh, man. to put it Dude, out there, so I guess he just poor starts guy. There. Yeah, for sure. Jesus. But yeah, anyway, so he's the first person awake, and it's a very kind of slow, like, you know, genteel uh, kind of awakening, and the whole crew is eventually rested. And we find out, like, they all assume that they're almost back to Earth, because that's the only reason they would be awoken, basically. Yep. Uh, and so their captain goes and talks to their computer, who yeah, they call sentient, mother. sentient program mother yeah yeah is it ever explained what the acronym mother stands for i, I can't remember don't think so yeah um i didn't even know if it stood for something that, that's a good point. was it I don't supposed know. to be an acronym or am i completely it, fucking that up it could have been <laughs> it would make sense wouldn't it if there was i thought it yeah. was just like yeah this is the person who takes care of us while we're asleep so oh, we good call. i i don't know maybe it would make more sense you know being it's the future that everything would have an acronym associated with it i mean hell the world we live in today has an acronym for everything yeah oh it's the m-u-t-h-u-r 6000 oh, okay so once again another another ripoff from 2001 <laughs> okay should have known better and even the, even the mother room itself like uh it's very oh, much Jesus. it's more like the sleeping pod area instead of like instead of the space trucker zone where it's very white and he almost it's almost like a Darth Vader kind of a pod where Tom Skerritt or whoever whatever captain or whoever was talking to to mother basically yeah, sits Dallas. inside of this cerebro yeah and there's just panels and lights and leds everywhere and you know. yeah just just a bunch of flashing lights They're not really buttons that do anything it's just like no. flashing lights and one screen and a keyboard yep so. it's a pretty shitty output to communicate with this fucking computer you know you're in a whole room of it and you just have like a four four inch by four inch screen well, at least they gave him a chair to sit in <laughs> yeah that's true mother thought ahead on that one yes <laughs> yeah, before before she drops bad news on you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, uh, so our captain is played by Tom Skerritt. His name is Dallas. Like, uh, I, I, one thing I, I read about this movie, like in the background, that I, I really kind of there's a lot of very charming things about this movie. Like, it, which feels odd to say about something so horrifying, but yeah. there's a lot of charm to it. Is that uh, the movie was written with everyone kind of being. No one had any gender in in the script, so it was yes. really up to to the to Ridley Scott, right, to kind of to cast whomever he felt was right. For yeah, these roles. Yeah, I mean that, and that's yeah, like you said, it, it's it's a charm to this film. It's it's it, it's just so interesting the way they they went out and they picked these people because these people feel like they did a hell Genuine. of a job casting this because they feel like yeah, like you've got. Uh, Parker and Brett, right? They're the two mechanics of this film. Like you, you feel every time yeah, they're on Yafakoto screen. Yeah, Yafakoto and uh, Harry Dean Stanton. And Harry Dean Stanton, like they look the part. Like they're wearing a like I think Harry Dean Stanton wears this a Hawaiian shirt throughout this entire he does. film. He really and, does. And you know, 
but I, I love it because he feels authentic in the way they talk. Like all they talk about is like, oh, I just want to get my money. That's all I give a shit about. He's like, you know, I don't want to go down and like discover new alien life or anything. Like, no, just, just, just pay me what I need to pay. And if you want me to do more, yeah, pay me more and I'll right. do it. Al Parker wanted to do is get home and party. Like he had enough time in space. He's ready to get the fuck home. Yeah. But they, and they, but you, but you notice that in their, in their script, like they're talking about banging chicks and, you know, just, just getting home and, and, yeah. you know, doing what I, I feel like I've never talked to anybody who has ever worked like on an oil rig or anything like that. But I imagine like if you're working like three to six months out on the, out of the open sea, and you're just working your ass off in the most nasty, dirtiest, dangerous conditions possible. Like, that's all you'd want to do, too, right? You just want to get the hell off there and just go nuts. And I feel like that's what these characters want to do. And then you've got some of the other ones, like the the officers of this, of this ship. You know, they're a little more dignified, right? You've got Dallas, who's... He's very calm. He's he's a calm, but he's assertive. Yeah. You've got Sigoni Weaver, which you don't really know a whole lot about. She just kind of meanders like, about. She's third in command, right? John Hurt's number two. John Hurt is yeah. He's he's okay. second, and yeah. then yeah, and then after her, we've got uh, Lambert, Lambert. Yes. the navigator. Yeah, and mm-hmm. in fact, I mean, like like to go to the, the the core of these characters, like you you get how how they all all act among each other. Like there's a scene where. Lambert and uh, Ripley are talking like they're talking about like how they have banged other members of the crew and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it just, it feels natural. Like that's the kind of stuff that would go on, on long trips like that where you're away for, you know, years on end. It just, Mm -hmm. it feels authentic. And, And like the set design, as we said earlier, it feels lived in and dirty. It's just, it, it works so well for what this movie is trying to show you as, you know, to make it, dark and scary yeah but it's somewhat futuristic too yeah because i mean they are like the ship is pretty giant and you know seemingly like there's no one you never see actually anyone in like the pilot seat of this thing basically it's like the 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 ship is doing it by and large until we get time to you know the they intercept the alien signal or i'm sorry the the signal of unknown origin as mother describes it that they have to go check out but it's been established that it's some sort of an sos so you know they're gonna go check it out and then at what point uh you know we see the actual crew start flying the ship and they uh, they dispatch down in a smaller vessel to go down to the planet. Well, right? No, to they, the, to they the dispatch, they, they go down on the actual Nostromo ship. Is it the whole Nostromo? That's the ship. Oh. Yeah. The thing, the, everything else is what they're towing. It is, oh, it is the okay. refinery that they are, they're, they're bringing back to earth oh. with, all, with all the ore, whatever it is that they're mining. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, so it's but it's really cool. Like this was one of the things that was really in the original script of this film mm-hmm. was, you know, they wanted to show like how tough it would be to actually fly a ship and all that stuff. You know, because you know we're we're used to watching like like sci-fi now, or especially like Star Wars. Like you know, you see the Falcon coming into Mos Eisley and it just lands there or lands right on Cloud City, right? You know, yeah. no problems, just just flies on like they added like a level of quote unquote realism here to the fact it's like, no, they're going to have to fly in there and they're, they're, they're trying to deal with all the adverse conditions of the atmosphere and the, the ground itself. They're trying to land on jagged rocks and stuff like that. And it like ends up fucking up the ship, you know, to a point where they, you know, they have to sit there on LV four, two, six for a couple of days days. while they're trying to get stuff fixed all because the company they work for said, "Hey, you need to go down there and check this thing out." <laughs> this is this is one of the things like we 
we both anyone who has a background in kind of like maintenance or, or giving like a like a repair mm-hmm. timeline or anything like that yeah. there's one was one little throwaway like not really gag or joke i don't really know what to call it that i just i really appreciated and I, I i don't know if you caught this too uh was when uh sigourney weaver is questioning uh parker and uh I, i'm blanking on harry dean stanton's character's name right now uh, what was brett brett yeah she's asking parker brett how long it's gonna be they uh <laughs> Like Parker initially says like something like 12 hours, something like that. Then, uh, or no, uh, Brett gives like a small number and then Parker like doubles it when he gives the estimate to them. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that part was really funny. And something else I really liked is that Sigourney Weaver is kind of a, she's kind of giving Parker and Brett like, you know, like a little bit of shit like down in, in their repair area. Uh, it's really loud. It's really steamy, like something you would expect to see on, on a, on a spaceship, I guess. Uh, they can't hear her because it's so loud and just, uh, you know, it's really, really deafening in there. The moment she turns the corner and walks away, Parker reaches out, flips one little switch, and just turns off all the steam, like right away. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, like you get, I, I I'm with you right there, dude. I I caught that kind of stuff too. Yeah, because if yeah, if you've ever worked on say stuff twelve like hours, that, thirty hours. Yeah, you're like shit. you're like no, you got to push that estimate out. You don't want to be held to that that yeah. short term that you gave out, and then when you get it fixed early. You're the miracle worker, you're right? It's, the, it's the, yeah. the Scotty with the Enterprise. You know, <laughs> right. you're, you're the miracle worker. Exactly. So, yeah. But I love that. Yeah. And that's one thing I love because this is the this is the point where you got to see, you know, a little bit of the back and forth between Ripley and, and the crew. And kind of like Ripley is not this you learn she's not this mousy character like Lambert, right? Like Lambert, you go to get the impression that she is already she's mousy, she's not assertive. Ripley, on the other hand, you see that like she can be assertive. You know, yeah. there's a reason why she's third in command on this thing. Is Lambert's you know, more like an emotionally vulnerable, I guess. Oh, yeah. 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 She's just a, you know, almost a nut in this one. But yeah. But yeah. But Ripley, like you see, like she is definitely a part of this crew and she can give as good as she takes. Right. As good oh, as she yeah. Gets. She does. She, like somebody wants to give her shit, she'll throw it right back in your face and, and not afraid to do so. So. And also because like she seems to know like the corporate rules like down to a like down word for word so she's very formidable as far as telling these people what exactly they can and can't get away with and you know she knows exactly what they can do kind of thing exactly yeah, yeah. she's a she's that person so it's like yeah you can try to bullshit me i know the truth but, right yeah like, I like the old the captain like dallas else. you know what i mean he'll let some shit go john Hurt's character probably does the same but ripley's like the young you know up-and-comer kind of thing so she's gonna be very by the book yeah, the way the yeah. way I read the characters are, you know, Dallas is he's in command. Like I said, he's he's assertive. He will make uh, the calls, but he does not like conflict. He, yeah, he's not going to argue with people. He just he doesn't want to discuss things. He's just going to do his thing, you know. And then John Hurt's character, uh, at, uh, not Ash, um, uh, Kane. Uh, yeah, he's he is like his own thing. Like he's just the brave guy. He's just going to do what the hell he wants to do. And then, then you got Ripley, like who who we who we're just slowly learning is like the level headed person. Yeah. But like at the same time, like she's still just a character walking around. So you, nobody knows like who who is our protagonist here. You know. Yeah. Like I said, the, the obvious standout hero has not pre- like presented themselves yet. Basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. So because and, but, there's no there's no hardened badass out of the group. Like not not no. one of them says like, oh, you're a former marine, you know, blah blah blah. Like these are all just regular ass people just working space jobs. So that that's supposed to be John Hurt's character. I think he's. I think he is miscast. Is he supposed in this to be thing. like ex-military kind of in this? He he's supposed to be a fearless, like go get him. Like no, like 
nothing. He's not afraid of anything like that character. Oh. He doesn't come huh. off as that in this no, film. He comes off as not that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not how I would describe him at all. Yeah, apparently, and I don't know. I don't know if this is actually true or not because he's Hurt says that. Yeah, he he. I mean, this was his role. Other people have said that no, he was actually brought in after the original character was was uh, had to leave the set for whatever reason. So he got sick, I, right? The original guy. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even read that much into it, but I, I just heard, I've, I've seen so much different stuff on it. It's hard to tell what's happened, but I would believe it, that this guy is not the first. I mean, I think, I think they said, well, John Hurt, you're a big name at least, or a well-known name. We're going to put you in there as well. You know? Yeah. Hell, it could have been Ian Holm calling in a favor for him or something. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, but it, yeah, they, they do a good enough job where you can define these character traits and, and get us going on this plot because this is a, a slow building plot too, though. I mean, this, like yeah. it took eight minutes for us to even get dialogue to start in this film. And now we're setting down on LV four, two, six. Now we're really getting into the, like the horror aspect of this film as, as uh, Dallas Lambert and Kane are all going to go off the ship. They're going to go out and investigate where that signal's coming from. And then yep. you got, you know, Ripley who's like, yep, you got the con Ripley. You're in charge. She's going to stay back with Ash, the science officer. And then, uh, Harry Dean Stanton and Yafit Kodo's character. Yeah, Parker and Brett as they're still trying to repair the ship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So our our away team fucking heads out, and uh, they uh, they come across some pretty cool. Like one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that some of like even if you've never seen an Alien movie or an Aliens movie, like any of the franchise, you're well aware of what the Xenomorph looks like. Yes. I'm sure because it's in pop. Like there's no getting away from. It. You'll see jokes in it. Uh, about it in cartoons like you know it's just they're everywhere you, you can't avoid it yep and so the actual creature designs of this movie are uh they're based upon uh the swedish artist what's his name geiger hr hr giger giger yeah yeah and, and so much so like uh, really scott likes art so much so like, they actually brought this guy in and he did the design work for the movie itself right for a bunch of them didn't he yeah there was different ideas for what the alien was going to look like um but O'Bannon and Schuster, they they liked Geiger's stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. they it's I mean, if you haven't seen his artwork and stuff, it's very very phallic, very sexual in a way, and it fit into what they kind of wanted to do with the with this uh, these alien creatures. As soon we'll as talk- you see it, you'll be like, oh, that's some is that some alien concept art there? Because that's basically what yes. it looks like. It looks all so much like it. Yeah, yeah, it and does. We'll we'll, get, we'll talk a little bit more yeah. into this as we. This dude as exclusively King- dreams in, in basically like you know gooey nightmare scapes. I yeah, think. gooey like it's almost like gooey penises, man. I mean, it's it's what it looks like right. sometimes. It's 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 very crazy, but it's also it's creepy and the creature designs in in this alone, like because the alien, like there's there's not just one alien in this. Like as our as our away team is uh is searching the the moon, they come across a, a downed uh, alien ship. So naturally, we assume this now, like. So we didn't we didn't really get into this too because I, I I just kind of like glossed over this but I mean the first time that I saw this film uh-huh. I had already seen Aliens right I was you know I was I was probably right. in my so very early teens when I saw this film I never saw it originally I saw Aliens and I when I saw this movie like I very didn't different like tones. this movie yeah, yeah I didn't like this movie tones. it was so slow it was boring <laughs> and like but but I wanted to watch it because I was like I want to know more about this world that James Cameron created you know I was, <laughs> was given James Cameron like all this credit for that alien all this stuff like this and I but it, but this is yeah this is where we're introduced to like yeah this weird looking 
we don't know what the hell it is. It's it could be a spaceship, it could be a a base of some kind or whatever it is, but it it definitely looks foreign to the environment. Yeah, it's not human. Like, yeah, it's not of Earth. Yeah, so we're you're very curious on what this is, and our our away team then you know like anything they they're just like okay, well let's go inside. We found an opening. Naturally, they, yeah. They go crawling through, and this is where we we get introduced to what, what's now affectionately called the space jockey. Yeah, it's essentially some sort of creature that that's giant by the way like yeah, dallas giant. walks up to it and it's like six times like six times as big as dallas tom scared oh, it's huge tom scared it's like a six foot tall dude you know quote so yeah it's massive and like it's got this uh it's sitting at some kind of a in a control seat like we don't know if it's uh using it as a telescope if that's the pilot seat we have no clue we just know that this this alien is just it's it's calcified right it's been there for so long it's it's yeah, mummified it's been there basically for, yeah, yeah for ages it's been there for how long and it's uh it's chest like it's ribs are just snapped open like something actually right out from uh from the inside of it so already <laughs> pretty foreboding yeah so yeah and i'm trying to like it, it's weird, like looking back on it and saying, okay, because I've already seen aliens at that time. Yeah, I was like, oh, I know an alien probably popped out of them. But mm-hmm. I was always wondering, like, what it would have been like to be be seeing this in theaters in '79, and it's like, like, what the hell is this? Right? Why like, is that thing so giant? What the fuck is that? What's going yeah. on here? Yeah. Well, I mean, I asked those questions when I when I watched Alien because I was just like, oh my god, I want to know more about this this thing. What is this? It's like, is it one of the aliens? Is it is it something out there? Now, now they will go back and retroactively answer these questions in Later many movies. of the sequels, and but we'll we'll talk about that down the road when we get to those movies. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, but this is like it's it's just fascinating because I was like I was like what the hell is that? But this, so this takes us to the next scene here, and this is this is the true horror of this film right here. Like it's like it's one of them. It, it oh. was definitely surprising to see the you know the first time. They see a hole in the in the floor, and so that like this is but this is supposed to be where Kane is like the the go getter. So he's like, yeah, send me down there. I'll go down there and check this out. I'm not yep. afraid. So he goes. Kane goes down there, and. It comes to this area with like it's just like this big cargo hold it looks like, uh-huh. and it's you know and then there's like this, I don't know it's like a it's like a blue glowing floor, like a turns light out, field of some yeah, sort yeah yeah it turns turns out to be like uh you know it's just like some sort of laser beam which is funny story to that I don't know if you if you read the background on this like they they were supposed to like make some sort of uh of a webbing to go across this whole thing, but oh, it, really? it just turned out it was going to be way too much work, too expensive to, to, to put together. So the, at, at the same time at the studio where they were filming this, uh, the who was filming a music video in the next studio over. So they went over to them while they weren't using their equipment and said, Hey, can we borrow your lasers? No, so they way. brought, they brought their lasers over. That's actually stuff that they, that was a that laser uh, light show for the who that created that effect. So all I did is have a smoke machine and then have that laser just shooting, you know, kind of beams across the way to make it look like some sort of like protective field. It was, it's really cool. It's, I, I it's real. Wow. That's pretty it's, goddamn cool. It's, it's why I love movie making because you hear like stories like this all the time of, on different sets about how, you know, you have to improvise sometimes when you can't, when you when your original vision is not going to work out for whatever reason. If what, you know, a, what a PA good went over there and is just like, look, he's like, is Roger Daltrey here? Like, you know what I mean? yeah, I'm here for the lasers, but if he's here, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I get the autograph? Right. I'll bring, I'll bring him back. I promise. Yeah. Right. Coming right back. I swear to God. Yeah. But it's, yeah, love it's Bob O'Reilly. Yeah. 
fascinating little story like of how they come up with that stuff. It's just it's it's really cool. That's so cool. Oh man. But, so yeah, as hurt as it as uh as his character's enjoying the Who Laser Light Show, uh, it, it's then that uh he sees like a, a bunch of how would you would you have thought those were eggs? Like if you had gone into this if you're in the theater for the very first time in nineteen seventy nine watching this, what would you assume those were? I don't know. Like I I I, I think yeah no I can't see them anything else as eggs right yeah it, it, um, it's a giant like it it it's not even like it I don't even know how big to describe it like it, it's like the size of an ottoman I guess basically yeah that's what I say like the size of a chair yeah you know, it, it's like yeah. leathery and it, it's sort of egg ish like yeah. shape like and it it has a it has some lips on the top like it's fucking Audrey too like you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they, they had to make some changes at the top of that egg, you know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> because, obviously. Because the egg originally was, let's just say... Yannick? Looked, looked a little bit more, yeah, a little yeah. more female. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but they had, so they had to change that. They made uh, four flaps on the top to open up instead, which is still... Jesus. Incredibly creepy, the way this those eggs open up and... Because I love it. Because as 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 Kane gets closer to it, you know, like I, he 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 sees movement in this. Yeah, yeah. He, he's shining egg. a light. He's shining a light on this thing. It turns out these eggs are sort of translucent, and all you see inside of it is just like is a white shape that actually starts fucking moving. Like, mind you, he doesn't know how long these things have been here. Nothing like yeah. that. He's not freaked out, shit in his pants. He doesn't back away, scared or nothing. If I'm in an unknown area that has unknown shit that's been there for God knows how long. Yeah, you're on an alien I planet. See movement, I am right. The f- I'd be, I'm vapor, dude. There's no fucking way. I'm not hauling <laughs> ass out of there, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you'd go so far to watch it open and then stick Fuck your head no. down into it too. Oh my <laughs> god, that's the worst part about it. Yeah, it's like he sees movement, and then these four lips just like fucking they balloon open. And what does dickhead do? He stands up, fucking stares right down, you know, the barrel, and and then he's hit with. It's such a scary moment, like to to have actually seen this in the theaters. Like then, it had to be like a pretty decent jump scare, right? Oh, for sure. Because you're like, not expecting it. Because it's just an egg, and when you look down at the egg, it literally just looks like a, it, like what, what the materials they used to make the inside of the plate. They used uh, cow intestines. There's tripe yeah. in there, and it looks just like it looks just like animal guts in there. Like it's yep. all gooey and gross. And out of nowhere, yeah. like a, there's a, a a squeal, and this thing just latches onto poor John Hurt's face, and the scene just ends like you know, like Tony Soprano got iced, like it's it's black in like two seconds before you realize. Yeah, what's you going like on. you really don't know what happened. You just yeah. see you see John Hurt's character fly back, and that's all you see. Yep. Ooh, yeah. It's quick. It's very sudden. Very sudden. Man. But effective, and mind you, like this movie too, it wasn't. You know, the practical effects of this movie, like, they really, they're really goddamn cool. Like, the makeup effects in this movie, like, I can't even describe, like, even by today's standards, if someone were to, were to make Alien today, it would be just as big a hit as it was in 79, because the, the makeup is, or the makeup effects of this movie are fucking flawless. Oh, it's very, very good. Wildly I good. I absolutely love it. I Wildly love good. it. Yeah. Yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, I mean. And, and this first Alien we see is, like, a. Is it like we don't actually check back in with John Hurd again, right? All we see is just Dallas and uh, 
Lambert. I'm, I'm blanking on. Yeah, and uh, it, they're dragging her. They're dragging him out of there, right? Like, uh, yeah, they're basically like, okay, just, we we've got to get him out of here. They have him by the shoulders. They're dragging him back to the ship. Yeah, they're they're right? dragging him back to the ship. Yeah, and they get to the ship and they're like, hey, let us in. We we got a problem here. Right. You know, and some they even say, yeah, something is attached to Kane's face, and you know. Ripley here, she's in charge. She's like, uh, no, you can't come in here. This is... Who's the only one thinking practically, by the way. She's like, you can't let this guy in with an unknown alien thing attached to his face. I'm sorry. Yeah, who knows what... Yeah, it it violates the the basic uh, quarantine code that the company has. Even even Dallas, as as a captain of the ship, is like, fuck that. He's like, let us in. She's like, nope. Yeah, she's like, nope, I'm sorry. Yeah, you learn about Ripley real quick right there. She's like, no, fuck you, I'm not letting you in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. See, but yeah, once again, you get this, she's this practical, cool headed person who's just, you know, she's doing her job. Right. You know? I mean, and she's absolutely right. If they just would have left him outside, they probably would have been fine after a couple of days has gotten out of there. They'd have just been down one crew member. You know what I mean? Well, they, well yeah, that's assuming that, yeah, he would die, but I mean, apparently he's not going to die. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, not, I mean, not initially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't, so they didn't I, know that, but yes. Yeah. As it turns out, uh, we haven't really touched too much on the science officer. Uh, on the science yes. officer, of this, this is a good uh, point to talk about Ash. Yeah, Ash, played by Ian Holm. Um, those of you would probably know him as the uh, as uh, as older Bilbo from the Lord of the Rings movies, like you know, like or uh, the the priest from Fifth Element. Like you know, what that's I mean? that's where I go to. That's always done, where I go to. He's done so many. Like the guy's been around. Like if you see his face, if you Google Ian Holm, you'll see him. Like oh, I know that guy. Like you know what I mean. Like you've definitely seen his face. He's a very good actor, but uh, his character in this movie, like he's the science officer. As it comes, you know, there's something off about Ash, like just from Jump. Like he's 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 kind of weird, right? Like in his in his mannerisms, just the way he speaks. Like he's he's very cold. Like uh, there's something almost like you know, as it comes. As we later find out, there's something pretty artificial to the way he interacts with people, things like that. So he has a very kind of different uh, outlook on this whole alien being attached to uh, to his friend's face in that uh, he wants to get them on board as quickly as possible because he is dying to take a look at this thing. Yeah, I mean, he's a science officer, right? So he, he would be naturally curious about this. I guess, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to spoil. I'll, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it turns out there's probably reasons why he's doing that. Like you said, it's it's very strange behavior because Ripley will later on, she will confront Ash about this and say, yeah, she's like, yeah, you know, I think you kind of forgot that I'm next in command when Dal- Dallas and Kane are off the ship. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, you kind of forgot about the quarantine, you know, the basic quarantine rules, all yeah. that stuff. And you know, and he's he's trying. You can tell he's trying to play it off. It's so one th- one thing that's really fun to do. You know, is to go back and watch this film over and over, and watch Ash's mannerisms and what he does throughout this film, and you'll start to notice little things that you never would have noticed on the the initial showing or initial viewing of that film. Because, like I said, we'll, we'll get to the twist as, well, let's just say it. I mean, Ash Ash is going to eventually betray the crew. Yep. And you, you, but you start to pick up on these little cues of things that he does. And it's, it, it's really credit to the brilliance of the filmmaking here is like Ian Holm hides it well enough that you don't necessarily see it if you're not looking for it. But once you're looking for it, you cannot notice it. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, he does and a really does terrific start, job in this movie. It does start with him saying, yep, we, we have to go pick this thing up. It's in the contract. 
then when they're bringing Kane back, he's like, yep, you, we're going to let him in. I don't care. Dallas said we're to let him in, so I'm going to do that. And screw you, Ripley. I don't care if you're in charge. Right. And, you know, we, and then even... Like, we, we start to pick up, like, Ash's only loyalty is to the company. Yeah. So, I mean, there's yeah. like, like there's one big one right here is what, what I was just talking about when, when uh, Ripley comes to confront Ash in his lab while he's looking at Kane. He's at there looking at a microscope and he's got this stuff up on the screen, right? And you see like blood kind of flowing and stuff like that. And when Ripley comes in, the first thing he does, he turns off that screen. Like yeah. he does not want her to see what's on that thing. He knows what's happening. Um, it, as it turns out, yeah, he's going to have, he, he already knows what the object is, what they're there to do. And yeah. <laughs> He's, he's, gonna got, screw he's got everybody a pretty good idea of what it's doing to his friend, too. Yeah, he knows what's there, and he knows something else is going to happen. He doesn't know exactly what it is, but he knows something is going to be there. So, yep. But this is but this is also one of the coolest scenes, though, because it builds up to the point where everybody's in the infirmary, right? And they're like, you you get a you get the first good glimpse of the face hugger, right? Because that's what it's colloquially known as now is it's, it's a face hugger and this is essentially this creature attaches to its host's face yep jams a proboscis yeah tube down somebody's throat yep and this this goes to the theme as we were as we were talking about Giger this goes to the kind of the theme and, and the ideas of what they wanted this creature what to do what his relationship with his parents is like oh man because they right. they wanted it to, they wanted this to feel like you know it, it a guy is actually like a, a person is being raped essentially is for lack of a better word here. You know, this thing is, is grabbing onto it, thrusting itself down its throat, impregnating you as it turns out mm-hmm. and will not let go. You know, it's, it's very, it's, it's one of the things that makes this movie so goddamn scary is not just the look of this thing, but what it's doing to you. Yeah. It's it's just absolutely frightening. But I love the look of this face hugger. And I love that they're they're trying to pull it off its face and they don't yeah. really go into it, but later on in the films, like they'll talk about like if you try to pull this thing off of somebody's face, it'll actually rip parts of your face off because it's holding it. Yeah, because so it, it, it's basically uh it's if you were to put both your hands together like right in front of you and picture them as one being and wrap around someone's head and Oof. your forearms are basically a thin tail that would wrap around like the person's neck. Like it, it's essentially it, it's strangling. It has a death lock on the person's side. If it tries to be removed, it'll kill the person. But also at the same time, it's symbiotically keeping the person alive. They just don't yep. really know why yet. Yes. You know, Kane, Kane may have, or Ash may have an idea, he, but he, he, like that I fucker said, definitely has an idea. He knows, he knows something's up, but everybody else is like, well, what the hell is it going on? And he's like, Eventually, Dallas just basically says, "Okay, screw it. I don't care what it is. Let's just get it off him and let's get out of here." Yep. And this is—I mean, this is where we get like one of the most ingenious ideas for anything I can think of, any monster Scary. you could think of. Yeah. I love this. They're like, "Okay, let's just cut the fingers off of this thing." Yeah. Ash we'll grabs a scalpel. Being the science officer, it's up to him to do this, and he goes and he cuts uh, one of the like one of the legs, I guess, of of the of the face hugger, and it starts to bleed. Uh, but it's I mean, acid. just squirts like it, I mean, corrosive acid though. Like it starts eating through their spaceship. Yeah, it's just I was like I I just love this. This is one of the things I loved when I saw Aliens for the first time. This is where I first saw it. I just love the concept of this the idea of like this creature is so perfect that it's it's just it doesn't have any vulnerabilities. Even if you try to kill it, yeah, it's going to have like one final F. Everything about it can kill you. Yeah, it's yeah, so it's scary. just 
because they uh, like I didn't notice this initially when I watched it, but like later on after repeat watchings of this, like I realized what uh, what Ash was saying about it when Ripley was talking to him. He's like, oh yeah, it's like I noticed that you know the the skin turns to like silicone and all this stuff, and he's like, yeah, this thing is basically just adapts to any environment it's in, and it's very hard to kill. It's it's basically. You know, it, it represents why yeah. the company's interested in it, right? It's, it's this perfect kind of creature. They just yeah. want to study it and figure out how they can utilize it. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a great concept. I love it. Yeah. So anyway, after they cut the alien, like they literally like they go through multiple levels of the ship. Like they, yes. they just they nick this thing with a scalpel and it goes through. I don't know how many levels of their spaceship, which I assume At least two levels. Spaceship Thor spaceship floors are pretty thick. Like, right. You, you would think. Mean? Yeah, so it has to be several feet in between each each level. It, it just it went right through it, no problem. Yeah, and like yeah, I think through two floors, then it finally kind of stops and like it slowed down out. a bit. Yeah, yeah, like oh my god, dude. So they're all figuring like, so we're kind of fucked. We're never going to get this thing off of him. Like we don't really know what to do. Well, lo and behold, it, that problem kind of solves itself. Uh, in that uh, it detaches itself. From yeah, Kane's just, face, like they just kind of, they just kind of look one day, and Ash is like, "You guys should come here." And they're like, "Why?" And he's like, "Just come here and look." And I'm like, "Well, first of all, why wouldn't Ash just say?" But you know, this goes back to his whole kind of being a, a cold blooded dickhead thing. Is that he calls? There's multiple times in the movie where he calls crew members to the infirmary, but he won't say why. He's like, "Just get yeah. down here quick." <laughs> yeah, just come down here. It's like, what the fuck, man? Just tell me what's going on. Like, holy shit. He couldn't say like, oh, the thing's off his face. He couldn't say nothing like that. He's just, come on down here quick. But anyway, people rush down there to the infirmary. And sure as shit, face hugger's gone. And, uh, you know, everyone tries to look for it. It eventually, uh, in a minor jump scare, uh, we find out that the creature is definitely dead. Like, it just kind of falls on Ripley's head because, uh, you know, these things like to hide high up. Uh, and then at this point, like, Ash, like, gets its on a on his little table and just starts, you know, playing science experiment on it basically. Right. Yeah. Basically just wants to start dissecting it. I mean, it, I mean, that's, it's, it would be within character as a science officer is like, okay, sure. I've, I've got this creature here. I want to look at it, note, notarize everything, determine what it is, yep. see what it can do and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah. then, yeah. And then you got, you know, Kane who's still there unconscious, yep. but you know, breathing on his own. And at this point where, you know, Dallas is, Dallas is talking to Ripley and saying, look, like, when the hell can we get out of here? And she's like, oh, yeah, we're this is where you kind of set up that. Well, we're we're good to go. We could probably leave, but we're blind on several decks and we can't see anything. You know, it's got that foreshadowing of yep. problems that can show up later. But he's mm-hmm. like, fuck that. I don't care. Let's just get the hell out of here. I want to go the hell home. out of here. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they all decide to. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. They uh, after they decide to go ahead and leave. Uh, Kane just magically wakes up. This is another one of Ash's like, get down here quick, everybody. Moment. Yeah. Like, but he won't tell him why. Like, hey, he's awake. Nothing happy. He's like, just get down here quick. Fucking, like, Dallas even asked, what's up? And he's like, just get down here. It's like, oh, what an asshole. So anyway, yeah, I mean, he's the captain. He should be like, no, you're going to yeah, tell no me before, before I come running down two right. floors. Yeah, because, you know, it's hard fucking doing that, you know. Because not to mention, like, we haven't mentioned also, uh, for horror movies, they, they generally skew fairly on the young or or young-looking side uh, for their cast. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? They, for a horror movie, this cast is on the old side. Uh, most of the cast is in their forties. For this, oh one. yeah, like yeah, and, a and, couple of them well into their forties, in fact. And this thing still, this movie doesn't have like a horror pace to it. No, like it's we are very much just like a regular kind of like procedural, like kind of like you know what I mean. 
Yeah, there's, we're, no, like, there's we're, no more urgency to it, I guess. Even though there very much is a ticking clock at this point. Like, yeah, you, you know, know I mean, something's just, up. No urgency. Yeah, yeah we, we've seen a creature, but it's it's only been you know it, it didn't kill anybody, right? So you're right. just like, and we're we're probably what I, I didn't look at the clock, but we're probably like 45 minutes into this thing. Yeah, that's fair. And we're just like, okay, well, we're we're getting back into the freezer now because we're going home. Yeah. And you don't know what the hell is going to happen. You know something has to happen, right? Something has to happen, yeah, because this, you know, it's where, – where's the rest of the of the spooky stuff, basically? Cause yeah, it, exactly. It all, for, for all – it looks like we're all getting ready to go home and, like, that's the end of the movie. So they all sit down for one last meal, and then we get one of the most iconic film – like, oh, scenes man. in all of film, I guess. Not even just sci-fi or sci-fi horror, just in film in general. And there's several reasons behind it. Uh this is the infamous uh, very first chestburster scene. Uh, John yeah. Hurst character, like they're all sitting around, they're eating, they're having a good time, you know, smoking. By the way, more people smoke in this fucking movie than yes. I've ever seen anywhere. They're on a spaceship. Everybody's smoking cigarettes all where, the time. Where air is at a commodity, right? I mean, it's it's in oh, dude. They're, everyone's lighting up every fucking three seconds. I'm not shitting you. Everybody smokes in this fucking movie. It's ridiculous, dude. Well, it it's continues so on to the next movie, too. It so. does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> It's very oh. very odd in the future. Yeah, so he's having he's like they're they're they were getting ready to go down for their for their nap, and uh, John Hurt's character starts freaking out. Like he he starts choking on his food. He starts coughing. They uh, they try to put a spoon in his mouth so he doesn't swallow his tongue. They know he's having some sort of a he's having some sort of an episode. Like he's having some sort of a of a terrible like uh, ordeal going through him. And uh, as it turns out, like he then kind of fights down to the table, and you hear like a like a crack, like an audible oh, yeah. crack at some point. And the rest of the crew, they all back away from it. Like they were trying to hold him down. They all back away. And then as his chest more and more just sort of starts undulating on its own, like you can see blood just seeping up through and then just boom, like just right through like fucking, I don't know, man, like Porky Pig popping through the fucking Looney Tunes thing at the end, just bah, right there. And there's just this, it's an alien, but it's not like the face hugger we saw. It, it, whatever alien this is is entirely different. It uh, it's only recognizable in that it's got a long tail like the like the face hugger did. But its head shape is completely different. It, it it's you can see its mouth. It's got really fucked up looking teeth. It just looks like a goddamn nightmare, and it's literally just swirling in a in a pool of uh of John Hurt basically at this point, right before yeah, this- it. Before it hisses and then just literally like fucking Scooby Doo's right off the fucking table and just runs away. Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I I love the special effects of this scene and there's. Do, do you know you the could, backstory of this scene? Yeah, so the backstory, the, the yeah. famous backstory is here is that like like everybody you get everybody with this amazing shock and scream and all this stuff because the story was that. Nobody on set there knew what was going to happen. They didn't know about the space hug, the, the space the chest burst or anything like that. Well, well that's, they, uh, they, it's not entirely true. Yeah, they knew something was going to happen. Like they knew it was going to come mean, out of him, but they didn't. They didn't know about the blood. And yeah, what happens they, is like is in this scene. It's I don't want to say realistic for for what they're trying to accomplish, but for the amount of blood that literally smacks. Poor Veronica Cartwright in the face, and she yeah, screams like she screams audibly. Like her reaction, like they really wanted to get genuine reactions from the cast in this, so they didn't tell them about the squibs that were going off. And there are a shitload, and blood just skyrockets everywhere, and everyone is horrified at what's going on. And John Hurt in this scene, uh, man, like he's not oh, speaking, but he 
you really feel like something's actually flying out of him at this point. Man. Yeah. And did, did you notice, like, I love this, like, even as we are focused on the alien, as it pops out and yeah. you're like, it's growling and everything. If you look at John Hurt, man, that guy's, he's still moving his like hands yeah. and stuff. Like, yes. he's, like he's still giving a performance, like, like he's as still his, in as pain right now just, as he would be. Yeah, yeah. Is draining out of him, but he's still going. I just, little details like that. I, I love, I just, I fall in love with movies that, that do little things like that. It, Oh, it's so good. So true. And then, yeah, yeah, you see all that special effect, you know, John Hurt, because apparently, like, he had to be under the table, and he was, like, put his hands through two holes and his head through a hole to, uh, you know, to be a yeah. part of this thing. Like, the, mm-hmm. everything looks so good. It does. And then and then you see the little alien as it, like, goes across the table. It, it, the special effect on that looks really corny, man. It looks... It, it is. It, it, it doesn't it's, hold It's just up. like Hadley did it in Spaceballs. You know what I mean? Yeah, they literally, yeah exactly. Like, they just literally just put a puppet on a stick table. and just slid it through the fucking half a table. Yeah, yeah they yeah. cut a little... Sl- they opened up a little slit in it and then slid it through yep. there. You know, it's... it's there's there's certain things in this movie that I could, like, point to and say, okay, this is kind of ridiculous looking that don't hold up. There's not many of them. That's right. one of them, I, yeah. will, I will say. That one is a little silly. I'll give but you the, that. But everything that happens before that, though, makes up for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But everything happened before and after, like, definitely fucking make up for and it, because, dude. And I will point out here, this is another time when you see something that Ash, Ash will step in and protect that alien, because Lam, uh, was it Lambert? Not Lambert, uh... Parker, Parker. He, he grabs a knife and he's going to stab that damn alien. And he's definitely like, no, going to no, no, try. No. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Let's let, he lets it get away. Yeah, Ash tells and him no. Like these are, like I said, these are little things you can notice as you go back and you watch this film. You'll see all the times and all the things that Ash is doing to help protect this alien. It's, yep. it's really funny to watch. Man. And then, boy, here here we go. Like this is this is now the scene where we do get to true horror because it's like, now the you know we're dark on certain floors like this is going to come back to bite the crew because they don't have all power everywhere and they've got to figure out a way to track this thing mm-hmm. because you can't just get back in your freezer pods right with a some kind of creature running around that's going to possibly kill you or not or yep you know do do god knows what to the ship so you've got yeah, to get knows? rid of it so you know their plan is like let's just find it trap it and throw it in the airlock and get rid of it yeah because mind you like they can't make this thing bleed because you know acid yeah so, yeah, not only do yeah, you have to you have to live catch it and then shove it out into space. So a pretty difficult task on, on every angle here. And this, and keep in mind that this is a commercial, you know, ship. This is not a military ship or anything. They right. don't have weapons on this ship. Nope. You know, they have nothing. So they have to cre- they, they improvise weapons. They they build themselves nets to catch the alien in, and they're just running around the ship and slowly. a flamethrower for uh, like and a flamethrower. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and they make they they come up with the idea of motion trackers for this, where they will use that in later films too. I like that. Yeah, and, and this brings up one of the most uh, iconic scenes to where we, this is where our first real peek at the, I guess, fully grown xenomorph. Right? Is the oh, da- is the Dallas and the duck scene? Uh, no, before that, you will. So depending on which version you saw, I don't know if we talked about this. There is a director's cut of this film that came out in two thousand three, uh, and it adds some additional scenes to this film. Yeah, that's the um, one I watched. Okay. So if you saw that, then you actually got the first look at the alien when Brett is trying to track down Jonesy the cat. We didn't even talk about there's a cat running around in this damn ship. Right. Uh, where Brett Brett has to go off. He's going to go find him. He, he walks into the Oh, yeah. Cause, uh, sorry. It, it, Jones is Sigourney Weaver's cat. He's Ripley's cat. Yes. Yeah. So he goes in there to what, what, what I learned later on was one of the landing gears 
That's why all the water's dripping down and everything like that. I wondered the, about that. Yeah, like, why, why is the ship so wet? Yeah. yeah, it's one of the landing gears. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, so the, so the, the he goes up underneath it where all the chains are hanging down and stuff and all the water, you know, must feel really good to get a cold shower or something in space. Which is just, and, ugh. Yeah, but this is where, as you, you got to see the director's cut, this is the first shot you really get to see. And I think it's a fantastic shot. That's why I love the director's cut of this film is the alien is just sitting up there because, oh, it's yeah, hanging uh, like it, it's hidden. Yeah, mind you, like this part of the ship, like, the alien fits in really well with the background of the ship because the background yes. of the ship kind of has a lot of areas and, and a lot of hoses, and hoses. And, yeah, that's and, really like yeah, it, and that's what the alien looks like. That's the, yep. that's the Giger touch to it. Is like yep. this, yeah, these phallic long items that yep. are hanging off it to make it look mechanical almost. Yeah, but yeah, like Brett goes in there, he finds like this. It looks like a snake skin. Like if you ever if you ever come across snakeskin, it's kind of creepy looking anyway. But like he picks it up and he's like, "What the hell?" And yeah, like if you're watching the director's oh, cut, yeah, you get that's a nice, right. yep. you get a nice shot of the alien just hanging there. Like if you're if you go back and you probably didn't catch it on the first view if you if you've never seen this movie, but like if you went went back on subsequent viewings, you would see the alien just hanging there, almost yep. in a ball shape, motionless, just undetected. Brett can't see it; he doesn't notice it. And then, yeah, this thing just drops down behind him, and he ends up being the first victim. It's, yeah, it's great. And, and much like uh, with Predator, like the last last movie we talked, everybody go and check it out. That was a fun podcast. Uh, oh yeah, with the guy who played in the Predator suit, Kevin Peter Hall, he was like seven foot two. Uh, the guy in the suit here, uh, Balaji Badejo, he uh, way to go because I couldn't pronounce his name. Yeah, he was six foot ten. Like, you know, nothing but legs, this guy. And so uh, another creature that, uh, you know, inside the suit, like, man, it sold the look because terrifying this thing. Yeah, they it, want it because I believe it, it'd this be guy scary was like on a... its own. Like if it was someone my size, like little, you know what I mean? But to have that thing be almost seven feet tall and look like that, get the fuck out of here, man. Yeah, That's they they, too much. they experimented with having like, you know, uh, just like mechanical props to make the alien and stuff like that. And they found out, yeah, somebody in a suit just, it, it works. Cause apparently yeah. like this guy's like, a, like background in dance and all this stuff. So he could, he could so he move, can move his body, yeah. and, like bend it in different directions and stuff. And they said it was like kind of a pun here. It's like, no, like he fit like a glove into this thing and just, <laughs> and just, he made it work. It's so, so good. And this, like I said, you don't get very many views of this alien, but of the views you do get, it's scary because as we see, he pulls as after he kills Brett, he pulls him up into the air shaft. Uh, Parker gets a view, gets a look, I think or supposedly gets a view of him, I think in the director's cut. And that's when he's describing it to everybody else and saying, like, yeah. this thing is huge. Like, it's not this little tiny thing we saw run across the table. Yeah. No, this thing is bigger than a man, you yep. know, and it's... And it's, 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 it's completely changed, too. Like, instead of being flesh-colored, like, it's, like, jet black now, so it fits into every shadow. And, yeah, it, jet it's black so and sleek slimy. and shiny. It's almost like Ooh. a, like, a, it looks like a dolphin, kind of, the way its skin kind of shimmers. Like, it's just... Yeah. There's so many things about it that shouldn't go together that just make it really off-putting to look at. <laughs> oh, that... Yeah, things that shouldn't go together that just makes it work so perfectly and yeah. frightening. It's just, I, I, it's, I love this. That's why I love the, the, the whole series of this, of this franchise. I, I just, I love it because the alien is just so frightening, so cool looking. It's just, the concept of it is just so ingenious. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. I love it. So good. And this is where, yeah, the crew finally realizes like, okay, we're in trouble here because now we're going to get the, 
it's 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 kind of a creepy scene because Dallas, like he's like, I'm the leader here. I'm gonna go flush this thing towards you. We're just gonna seal off one quarter at a time of the ship until we got it trapped in one area. And because the they're blind, this is where we get the first kind of employment of the of the radar detector kind motion of motion detector, blips, yeah, motion detector blips, yeah, which is they use in this. Like the, it, they use in aliens like pretty effectively, but this movie it's done so effectively because they're blind a lot because uh, he doesn't want to. He Dallas is crawling through the, the actual ventilation shafts of the ship because why wouldn't he? So and yeah, it, and as he's doing so, like he has a ping, like so he he has a little thing he can keep looking down, but like he's trying to point like is he trying to point like a like a flamethrower also or what what does he have to defend himself? So he has a flamethrower with him, and, and then one of the motion motion trackers. Right, and wh- but he can't hold both do, at the same time. But so he keeps switching between them, right, or something. Yeah, yeah. What he's what he's trying to do because he knows it's it's using the air shafts to get around through the ship. Yeah. What they want to do is they're going to use Dallas basically as bait. He's going right. to lead the creature. It works. You know, he's gonna he's gonna go from one section to the next, and as they're doing it, they are closing off with these like really cool kind of like iris you know, yeah. gate that closes each section of the, of the pipes that he's scrolling through. So the alien's not going to be able to keep to, to double back. Right. So they're, they're trying to push him forward all the way to the airlock. Once he gets him to that area of the ship, then they can like trap him there, open the airlock, suck it out. And everybody's happy. Right. And that, but, it, but <laughs> this so is where it gets a little creepy. Like yeah. Cause he's got the flamethrower and he's, he's shooting the flames down the like parts he can't see. Right. Right. Just to make sure there's nothing out there in front of him. And it's just, it's it's just like it's it's a really good situation where you're just building up the the tension here. You're ratcheting it up. Well, and also as, too, uh, Veronica Cartwright's performance in this. Like, I don't know why, <laughs> I don't know why her character was on the mic at this point talking to Dallas because she's not she's not very calm, Lambert, at this point. And so like the whole time she keeps telling Lambert, "Get out of there, Lambert! Get out of there! He's right on you!" Like she's freaking the fuck out. Like she's in tears, like you know, because she's terrified for this guy. And at this point too, like the, we're all like, I'm holding my breath too. Cause I'm freaked the fuck out. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, get out of there, Dallas. <laughs> Just freaking yeah, out. Yeah. You know, you know, something bad's going to happen, but I'll, oh, I'll yeah. give, I give Tom scare at this one like this. And I'll, I'll even Ridley Scott for making it this way. You know, Tom Scare at least is probably one of the smartest victims when somebody's like uh, a slasher's coming to get you. Like other people who are just like, um, yeah, I'm going to go upstairs and and look around and stuff like this. No, he like Dallas finally says, "Uh, you know what? I've had enough of this. I want to get out. Let me me just. uh, Yeah. Where where is it? Where do you see it on the screen? And then I'm getting the hell out. But unfortunately, he's like because of Lambert's panic and all that stuff, he decides to go down one level. It just so happens like that's the level that Wrong the alien's one. on yeah. because the because the motion tracker won't tell you what level he's on. It just tells right. you which direction the thing is moving towards. Right, and it's a good jump scare too because like I love it how Tom Skerritt comes down. He's got his flashlight in his hand, so you see his face. He flashes it towards us, looking at at the camera, and then he looks back the other way, and bam, there's the alien. It's like Wah! yeah, it just and then, two hands come up at him, and like again, like it David Chase style cuts to black before you really have it have a, have a a look at what's going on. Yep, and but you know that Dallas is done. You know and Dallas is done. Yep. You're like damn. So one by one, the crew just keeps getting whittled down, whittled down. Yeah, I yeah. think in fact they find his flamethrower inside the vent, right? Right. And, yeah, because that's how Ripley ends up with it, right? Because yeah. they didn't make two of them, did they? They made. I think they made two of did them, but I can't remember. Them? Yeah, because okay. I think I think uh, Parker has one later when when he's eventually cut down. Right. Yeah. 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 Because he he tries to save Lambert. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> so, I mean, there's not really. Is, it, is this the Ash Ripley scene first before we yes, get to the, this? Is yeah. And this is once again like I, there's so many great scenes in this film, and this is the one that I truly love now because 
now Ripley, she Dallas is dead. Kane is dead. She is now captain of the ship. Yep. She is in full command now. She's like, I have access to mother now. I'm going to go find out what the hell's going on here because Ash is being all squirrely with her, doesn't yeah. want to level with her. So she just goes right to it. And this is where she finds out that the, the, this whole thing is like a conspiracy against them. The, the yep. company received this information. So mother intercepts the signal from the, the derelict spacecraft. That signal automatically got sent to the company. The company sent a signal back and said, hey, you need to wake that crew up, have them go look at this thing. And their orders are, it's like, or and the orders are directly, well, okay, so maybe I'm getting this wrong now that I'm thinking about this. Because it turns out that Ash was put onto this crew two days before they launched. Because uh, Ripley even asked Dallas about that. She's like, how do you, how well do you know Ash? He's like, I don't know him very well because he was just put on the crew two days prior. Right. So, but, they've been in, but they've been in space for like a year at this point or something like that. Is, yeah. is that ever really established how long they've been out for? I, it's, I don't think it's fully established, but I feel like it, it's obviously a long period of time, right? Because go anywhere, yeah. they have to be cryostasis to be to sleep or to <laughs> right. get to wherever they're going. So you know it has to be a long time. Yeah. So I guess the, the whole thing is the company had to have known about this signal well before the Nostromo ever left Earth to go on their mission. And then they just said, hey, on the way back, Mother and Ash, you're going to help make this happen stop off here and pick up this creature and then bring it back yeah I, that's that's the way i read it now that's a hell of a way to look it. at it yeah uh, i know that ash was told to bring the alien back for study and that the crew was expendable yeah <laughs> like, that's, so that's that's all and this, this is what sigourney weaver is getting from mother because mother's saying yep. it's like yeah here's the parameters of the mission like set down find the find collect specimen all other uh, priorities are rescinded or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. which means, yeah, crew is expendable. Nobody cares about the crew. Yep. And this, and this is like the, the, one of the coolest jump scares of this thing is like, while she's reading this and she's like processing this and saying, okay, the company just is fucking us over. Ash is looking right. He's standing there right over her shoulder saying, Hey, there's a good explanation for this. And like, she's just like startled. Yeah. You know, and this is where you know that Ash is up to no good. Like, he, he's showing his true colors now at this point. Yeah, because he straight up just tries to murder her. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, uh, just... and Parker uh, jumps in and, it, like, just goes right to work on Ash with the fire extinguisher, right? Well, let's take a step back here, too, because you say she goes and he, he is attacking Ripley. I would argue, and many people have talked about this, made written papers about this, Ash is actually trying to rape Sigourney Weaver. Like there, there is, there is this theme of rape throughout this movie. He, because as it turns out, and we'll, we'll just say it now, Ash is an Android, right? Yeah. And I talked about this earlier. There was a discussion between Lambert and, and uh, Ripley about, Hey, have you ever slept with Ash? You're led to believe that they're asking this question because they probably have slept with the other male members of the crew. And both of them said, Nope never had the opportunity to do so. So there's, there's people who would say, and I don't know if, if Ridley Scott's actually ever said this for sure, but he says by the act of him, like rolling up that nudie magazine that's there, you know, he's trying to shove it down Ripley's throat. Yeah. It's, it's him trying to rape her because he does not have, shall we say, oh. all the parts of a normal human. So he's essentially trying to do that to her. Because he's he's going mental. Uh, Weird. If a if a, if an android can actually do that, he's 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 malfunctioning. 
um, more and more because you see him start to sweat like milk, essentially. Yeah, like white fluid or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and you and this is another clue that he's bad. Like if you watch throughout the whole film, he's only drinking milk the whole time. He's never drinking water or anything else that the other crew is drinking. Um, but yeah, this is where they he's fighting. Uh, and it's just it, it is a scary scene because it's just he's he's closing all the doors. All of a sudden, Ash has become the stalker of this film. Yeah. Ripley's trying to get away from him. He's shutting all the doors, locking it. And yeah, he's fighting her. And then, yeah, it's at the last minute, there comes Parker and he's trying to fight him. And it turns out that I guess Ash is pretty damn strong. Cause he's like kind of he's tossing Android. Parker around. Yeah. And it's not until Parker hits him in the head with a fire extinguisher and literally knocks his head off, knocks his head off. Yes. Yeah. And once again, those, those shrieks and that sounds that are mm-hmm. just coming out of him. And yeah, he's just like squirting milk all over the place. And eventually he, he dies. I, I thought, well, eventually he just falls over and then, yeah. and then they, uh, they turn his head back on. Yeah. And this, <laughs> and then once again, this is another, this is the only other special effect that I truly hate about this. And it's not so much a special effect, but it's the jump cut that they have in this scene where they're, yeah. they're, they're hooking up the head, uh, like this obviously fake mannequin head of ash mm-hmm. you know and they're trying to get it to set up straight and st- sit there on there and they're just like this this terrible jump cut of like just to ian holmes heads like sticking through the table covered yeah. in the milk and he just opens his eyes and he starts talking it's just it's a terrible looking jump jump cut that i wish like he would have gone back and fixed that shot when he did the director's yeah, it was, cut it was 79 i mean you can yeah well yeah you, you because there's so much good stuff in this film you you give it a pass on this yeah, like, yeah it is not hercules or anything like that right yeah so then uh so they get the lowdown from ash basically like the creature's unkillable the company wants it no matter what kind of thing uh and you know he uh, don't you love how ash is is playing this part though or i should say ian Holm is playing this part though and he he is detached he, he yes he plays what a robot would be. He's not emotional. Just he, and that's why he loves the alien is because it's the, he describes the alien as without remorse, without emotions, without any moral compass. He's like, it's just the perfect organism. And essentially, and, and the later alien films will explore this idea is it is like Ash. He is not human. He's not shrouded by morality or anything like that. He strives to be more perfect than humans and like i said we'll we'll talk about this when we when we talk about all the other films you know down the road but it's a fascinating little parallel that they make here and i, I just i love his speech in this thing because he is so heartless to the crew he's like i don't envy your chances you yeah. know basically yeah, you're all fucked he's like he's like but i you know i wish you the best of luck you know yeah whatever. basically right and, yeah and they're just like they kick the head aside they're like fuck you man right yeah, and then that's when Ripley just makes the command call, and she's like, "You know what? We're just gonna blow the whole ship up, take our chances on the lifeboat, and just get the hell out of here." Yep. So that's what they decide to do, and naturally they split up. So Parker and Lambert, yeah, uh, they go on a on a supply run, basically where they are, you guessed it, ambushed by the alien and just torn apart. Or uh, I'm sorry, we're it depends on what version of the movie you watch. Like in the in the theatrical cut, you're no one. In this movie, no matter what cut you watch, is explicitly killed on screen by the xenomorph. Yeah. So apparently this film, like the original cut of this film was like over three hours long. Damn, really? There was a lot of lot more blood and a lot more crazy violence in this thing. Very, very concerned at the time that they How were. How could they have added another hour in? Holy shit. Yeah, I I don't know. But yeah, they were very concerned that this thing would get an X rating from the MPAA. 
So yeah, a lot of the violence was cut back to show in a lot of ways, like it's jaws, right? It's, you don't see the, the creature itself. You're just seeing the deaths and the, the struggle of the humans as they're being chased down. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's what this to be in the director's cut. You see a little bit more and that's, once again, that's the reason why I love the director's cut over the, the actual cut. Yeah, we cut. do get that a little extra scene there. That kind of helps. But you get Lambert. The Essentially, this is where they kind of set up one of those ideas of how the creature kills you or, or incapacitates you. It uses its tail to sting you and yeah. immobilize you. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, Lam- or Parker tries to come save Lambert, but he's like, I guess, essentially choked out by the uh Yeah, the alien just the grabs the throat, right? Until, until yeah, he uses uh, his mandibles his, his, to... Yeah. And uh, had we say, has had the mandibles actually come out in the movie yet at this point? Yeah, we kind of saw it uh, with with uh, Brett. Yeah, but it didn't come yeah. like not fully, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you the, never, the alien's you, got a really weird mouth to where like it, it uh, it's got one set of teeth like what we do, and uh, when it opens its mouth, like a separate smaller mouth on a proboscis comes jutting out, and then when that thing opens up, like there's not another mouth in there, but you know it's just just a bunch of gnarly teeth and it's almost like uh you know it's obviously pneumatically powered like because you know it's fake but uh if the alien creature's biology you know had pneumatics in it that's how hard this thing comes slamming out like it's almost like a yeah. like a battering ram inside their throat yeah i mean it punch it, essentially you're led to believe it, it punches a hole through their face you yeah. know and just straight through it so it's yep. very very strong they'll they'll explore a lot more of that in the future films yeah they do <laughs> of what this what the creature can do yeah but, yeah, so that, now we're down to our lone survivor, which... And her cat. Once again, yeah, I will give this this film credit as through most of this film, you do not know who the who the survivor is going to be. You assume it's going to be Tom Skerritt because he's top billed, right? Biggest star of the movie. This nope. was Sigourney Weaver's very first movie. Yep. yep. And she turns out she's the protagonist. She's the strong creature. Like they, like this is where the, the first time you finally get to see the... The person she's going to turn into over the next two films that she's in. I should say three films that she ends after this. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about that later. Um, anyway, yeah. So here at this point, so while Parker and Lambert are being killed, Sergoni Weaver is actually like going to set the self-destruct. She yep. she sets the, 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 the ship on the path to do that. And she comes back and realizes her passengers are killed. And by the way, the alien is standing in front of the door that she needs to go through to get to the damn lifeboat. So she's like, well, shit, I'm fucked. The countdown's going on. I got 10 minutes and I got to somehow get by this alien. Right. So she, she goes she back. Actually, she actually tries to, to abort the self-destruct and is unsuccessful. Yeah, but it's too late. Like, yeah, yeah she, she missed that, like, cutoff. Like, I love, there's a literal ticking clock here. Yep. Of, like, you've got to do this by this amount of time. Yeah. Or else. Yeah. And it, it's during this part of the movie, too, that if you'd seen the director's cut, that you get, like, the extra contextual scene that kind of ties in more to the sequel as far as, like, we understand that the alien didn't actually kill anybody. Like uh, Ripley, no. uh, happens upon her entire crew. Uh, you know they're all kind of stuck to the wall in, in like different uh, forms of goo. But yeah, you know, cocoons, basically. yeah, they're, cocoons, they're, yeah, like they're pods. Like, yeah, into yeah. Eggs. yeah, we're all you're basically led to believe that they're all very much still alive. They're just in some sort of a stasis right now. Yeah, well, except so this, for Tom Skerritt. Yeah, so this is, and they they will go on to retroactively. Uh, correct this in the uh, mythology, I guess, uh, because the original idea was that, yeah, the alien would take these creatures like Tom Skerritt, the ones that he didn't kill, but just immobilized, would 
plaster them up on the wall and they would they would basically inject them with something that would turn them into eggs and then facilitate mm-hmm. the life cycle of the alien again. So you'd have yeah. a, like I guess supposed to create another face hugger egg and you know essentially that's what you do. You're metamorphosized like a butterfly or a yeah. moth into an alien. Well, later on like they, they do a good job for the better of you know changing what that is and oh it's way scarier than aliens yeah yeah, we'll we'll talk about it when we talk about that film what what it really is but yeah let's needless to say they they kind of changed that up but that it is one of the fascinating scenes of the director's cut when you get to see that because you get to see tom scarrett there he's just he's asking ripley to kill him because he just he's in misery pain and yeah she obliged him she just burns the whole damn place up and which is you know if, if you've seen aliens like to if you go back and watch this first movie now and you see the director's cut and you see Ripley with a flamethrower torching alien shit, it it, it, it made me smile. You know what I mean? <laughs> As weird as oh, it yeah. feels the same, but just based upon the future of the, of the movies, I'm like, oh, look at this. It's like the first callback, you know? It gets like, you excited ever to go back to go to the sequel of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's like if you'd only seen Army of Darkness and then you go back and watch Evil Dead 2 and it's like, oh shit, look at the thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but this, so we're going to set up, we're setting up basically our, our finish to this movie here. Yep, as, big finish. As, as Ripley doubt, she does get back to the, to the, uh, to the lifeboat. Yep. And you know, there's no guarantee she's going to survive, but she's like, nope. I'm going to take my chances. And the, the, she, the, the refinery is very much uh, going to explode. And as you said, like, within like a couple of huge. minutes. Yeah. 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 It's, so like she needs to, to clear a lot of distance to get yes. away. Yeah. Because yeah, you said yeah, this thing is is massive, yeah, massive, and it's filled with some sort of fuel Unknown or some ore. sort of refined ore, yeah, yeah. So you, you assume it's got to be used for energy, and it's probably explosive. So yeah, for sure. But yeah, so she gets to the ship, and yeah, she's like turning it up, and then boom, and like I love this because yeah, here's the ticking clock. We're down to ten seconds, and she's like boom, boom, boom launch and she's just like taking off and like you hear the the ticking of the clock five four three two one and you see her like you wonder yeah is she getting far enough away because you assume this is going to be some like massive nuclear blast yep i would assume and yeah she apparently yeah she got far enough away she she was able to get there and and we feel some relief yeah because you're thinking okay the alien is dead yeah her crew's dead now she is you know, essentially telling the cat, she's like, yep, we're getting into bed and, you know, we'll, we'll hope we, uh, we make it here. And, you know, and it's just like, she's going through, I love this. Like, you know, she's just relaxing. She's taking off her clothes. She's getting ready to fall asleep and she's going around there, setting all the switches up, you know, to, to, to head home. And you get another jump scare here. Like, yeah. Cause a literal hand smacks her in the face. As it turns out, the alien got it. It knew who to find the escape pod. And it wedged itself into a little nook and cranny there, and you know, uh, the and it uh, blends in. It, it blends, blends right into in. yeah, the rest it's of the pitch ship. It's black, and like you just you don't notice. Like if you go back and watch the scene, you know where to look. You still might not see it. You'll it see it. You'll see the head. Well. You'll see yeah. the head there, but you don't know what it is. Right. But you you realize. But that's what it's it's why I love the creature so much is because not only the creature smart, the creature knew it's like I've got to go to I've got to get out of here to survive. But it also knows, as as a part of its survival, it's going to hide and blend in with its surroundings, as it does all the time. And like I said, the future yeah, because it can't fly the ship. This. But it, you know, it's got no. it's got to at least but, get off of there first. But all it's doing is doing what its 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 uh, instincts tell it to do. Yeah, to survive. Sit by, 
hide and wait till something comes along that it can utilize as prey. Yep. And that's all it's doing in this ship. It jumps in there and Ripley just happens to walk by it and boom, it it like it reaches out. Like I assume the hand is reaching out to grab her. No, it, I, I understood that it as like it just it was just kind of coming out of its hidey hole. Okay. Because it doesn't initially beeline for her. You know what I mean? It kind of That's true. It, it's just kind of waking up. You know what I mean? Yeah, shaking off because all you see is yeah, all you see is it's like it's trying to like climb its way out slowly, but it's yeah. not it's not making any effort to you. So you assume that it knows Ripley's there, but it's like it's just slowly trying to do. So Ripley, in her wisdom, she's like, okay, got to do something here now. So she climbs into the closet, basically, gets into a spacesuit. Where I keep mine. Uh, it's very practical. Yeah, it's very practical to have it on hand, and yeah. then yeah, grabs a harpoon gun and then comes back out into the uh, into the ship, which I just love this too because it's like I don't know if you're if you're scared of like insects or something or big spiders or something, like you probably had this point in your life where like you you want to walk into a room, you know, like there's a big spider in there and you gotta kill it, yeah, you know, but you don't want to walk in there because you're afraid it's gonna jump out at you or something, yep. right? You know, that's what this is. Like Ripley's walking out there. She's not. She's not trying to look at it. She's just trying. She's like. She's even singing a song. <laughs> trying to so, stay as calm as possible. Yeah, just trying yeah. to stay as calm as possible. Funny, so, funny side note to that song too. They, they, twentieth uh, century Fox got really pissed about this because they had to pay royalties to the use of that song. Get the fuck out of here, really? Because she imp- she improvised that song, and oh, wow. they didn't. They were real pissed. They used it in the final cut. <laughs> so, but yeah. Oh, anyway, wow. yeah. So yeah, she she goes up and she's her plan is to strap herself into her pilot's chair, and then once the once the creature's out of its hiding hole, open up the airlock, whew, suck it out. Everything's gonna fly out with it, but she doesn't care. She'll be strapped in, and like yeah, she's doing that. She's sitting at the control control rod or the control panel, and she knows that she's got to get the alien out of there. So the first thing she does is like open up like some kind of steam valve or something to. To get the to coax the alien out, right? The alien is feeling the pain of the the burning steam. Yeah, she uses so, a, like a pressure release or something and flushes yeah. it out. And then it comes out, and then this is like this is the best scare of the movie, I think, right here is is like like the aliens crawling out of it. She's like turning around and you know hitting all the panels, open, getting ready to open up the door and all that stuff. And all she's got to do is hit that final button, right? Yep. And she's but it, because she's got a space helmet on. Her field of vision is very limited, but yep. there's like, she's got like the, the the view in front of her and then she's got like these two windows like kind of in the back so she can kind of look behind her. Right. And she just, she slowly looks back and this is very, this is where like the, the, the true horror of this film but because, is. Yeah, because she's strapped in, she can't really turn fully around. So she knows this behind, it's behind her. She knows she it's she somewhere. Has, right. Yes. Holy and shit. And she turns around and like, bam, it's right there in that window. Right there. About to like launch its mandibles through that yep. thing. And she screams, and then bam, hits that, uh, hits that, uh, that, that lever or that that emergency button, and it opens up the airlock, and boom, that thing goes flying across the room. And but man, to the to this thing's survival credit, man, it holds on to the damn thing. It's like fighting against the Bro. vacuum of space. But yeah, it's strong enough to hold on space. So Ripley then shoots a uh, harpoon gun into it, and it goes flying out of space. You figure like, holy shit, she won. Well, the the space nope. doors. <laughs> Space doors close, and because it's a it's a hook, there's like a tether line, and sure as shit, the alien uses this tether and starts crawling back into the ship, yes. and it wedges itself into the uh, the engine. 
like the engine and port. What's, yeah, and what's so yeah. fascinating is like she sees this, she knows what's happening, yeah, and she realizes like, man, this thing is out in the vacuum of space, yep. and it's still alive, still and alive. it's still coming after me. Yep. So it's the one. The, she does the one last thing she can think of. Boom! She hits those those uh, engines, and boom! It blows Rise the alien it. finally just into the vacuum of space, to the void of space, and. Which you Man. figure, like, being whatever those engines are, like, if they're plasma or whatever, like, shouldn't it have been burned a bit or so? Like, I don't you'd know. Maybe I'm not smart. Like it would, or, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah. But you feel like it would. Feel. Yeah, I would yeah, think but so. It, but it doesn't. Funny. It just blows them into space. So so then, like, eventually it lands on someone else's planet and it's just somebody else's problem or what? Like, how long can that yeah. fucker live for in space? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could uh, or hope to that, like, it would land on a planet with an atmosphere and it would burn up entering into an atmosphere. But yeah. Presumably, but I mean, their their skin adapts. They're really tough. Who knows? That's true. That's true. <laughs> Way to go, Ripley. Right. Yeah. But then the la- so the last shot we get is actually uh, after Ripley uh, enters her final log. She, uh, which I, I do love the final log too. She's like, you know, she's just telling the whole story, and yep. you know, basically, if anybody finds her and she doesn't survive, she's like, yeah, this is what happened. I'm the last surviving member of this of this ship. The and Nostromo. Signing yeah. off. Yeah. I hope I hope to reach home in you know, like a couple of weeks. Yeah, like you hope. You imagine going yeah. to sleep like maybe I'll make it to Earth. We'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll find out in the next movie how long it took her to get home. Oh, dude, <laughs> yeah, man, that was hard. Yeah. So, uh, so that's the but, plan, right? We're uh, like, so uh, sorry. Final thoughts, real quick uh, on the Alien movie, like uh, top to bottom. Like, how do you feel about this thing? Okay, so as I said at the at, as I got into this film, I, the first film I ever saw in this franchise was Aliens. And that movie, I, I've said it on the show before, I love that film. It It's what made me fall in love with this franchise. And I went back at a later age to watch this film to just see what the origin was. And I remember being bored. And I remember not liking this film. And I was like, this is just not for me. This is not, the, it wasn't giving me the answers that I wanted. And it's not until I watched this more and more that I have just absolutely appreciated for the gem. Right. And and I'm not using that sarcastically anyway. This movie is such a good movie. If you haven't seen this movie and it's, it's hard not to, but if you haven't, you have to watch this one. Ridley's it's one of Ridley Scott's best film and he's made some good movies, but this is far and away his best film. It is a fantastic sci-fi film. It's if, you know, if you're into star Wars, you know, you might like the science science fiction fantasy. This is science fiction horror at its best. I I cannot give this film top any top higher top grades than 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 I possibly could. It's it's just so good. I just I I would recommend to anybody go watch this film. What, yeah. what about you? Oh, love it! Absolutely adore it. Like this movie. Uh, I I think like you, I had I saw Aliens first, and then I went back and saw Alien later. But uh, yeah, it's man, it, absolutely terrific. It's it, very different compared to Aliens. Aliens is more of the uh, kind of Duke Nukem, like full action, like high octane, like kick yeah, it's, ass, it's like, a war movie, basically. Definitely a war yeah. movie. Yeah, it's more Starship Troopers than it is anything else. Uh, but this movie, it's uh, I appreciate it now, like you know, uh, because it is just vastly different. Like it, it's it's one singular monster. You know what I mean? It, it just a bunch of dark corners. Like it, it's just nothing but jump scares and effective writing and just man. And, and you know, uh, on uh, basically uh, a tiny, 
tiny budget too. I mean, this thing. Uh, right. Uh, it, initially, when they tried to get Tom Skerritt on the movie, he said no. So they doubled the budget to eleven million dollars, like through somehow. So then he agreed to sign on and come out of the movie, but only eleven million dollars for this entire movie. And I got to imagine most of that money went towards uh, like set design and creature effects. For a hundred percent, like yeah. it's one of the charms of this film, and we talked about it, is the set design of this thing. I love it mm-hmm. so much. You know, fascinating thing about this was 20th Century Fox initially. This this thing was only budgeted for like half of what that eleven million. It wasn't until 20th Century Fox kind of looked at it and, and kind of saw the potential after Star Wars. Yeah. They said, "Let's throw some more money at this and make this thing bigger because we want it to be more than just a, a you know a crappy B movie science fiction film." It's a good call because I think to date so far the alien movies have hauled in almost over a million or I'm sorry, over a billion and a half dollars. So Yes. I mean just pretty this lucrative. movie alone, if you you know, if we believe Wikipedia and all that, you know, over a hundred million dollars on an eleven million dollar budget in the seventies. Wild. I dude. mean, think about that. Wild. Tickets just were like eighty five cents or some shit. Like, you know what I mean? That's a shitload of people in the theaters <laughs> yes. to see that fucking thing. I mean, this thing was giving Star Wars a run for its money a couple of years later. I mean yeah, it's yeah, because we and we like unlike Star Wars, though, because Star Wars, you know, Empire Strikes Back came back in 80 and in 83. Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't get a sequel to this thing until 1986. Yeah. You know, and even then, yeah. like, it's not really like at least the Star Wars movies. They're all kind of I don't want to say they're all kind of the same movie, but they all feel like they're of the same genre, whereas Alien yes. and Aliens while they are, there's a, a character continuation, a story continuation, they are vastly different genres of movie. Very different, and that that all comes down to the directors of this one, as we'll as as we'll see in Aliens. We get we get James Cameron. He's he's a good director, and he's one of my favorites as well. He's but a good yeah, filmmaker. You, he yeah, is. You will see the differences between Ridley Scott and James Cameron, and, sure. and their ideas of where to take this franchise. Man, yeah, they're they're different. And then Fincher comes in in part three, and there's oh, something God. completely different. Man. Damn. Yeah, as we said, there's a there's a fourth one in there too, but we'll we'll talk about it when we get there. So yeah, so that's the current yeah. plan, everybody. Is that now that we've done Alien and it was such it just not even like an unexpected treat. It's just I don't think we really appreciated just how much you know it would it would be nice to watch something super dope. So uh, we've decided to continue on with the Alien franchise. So next we're gonna jump over to uh, 1986 with Aliens. I'm looking forward to this one too because I, I was looking uh, forward Scorny to this Weaver, one. Uh, who else is in this one? What, Michael, Michael Bean, Bean, yeah, uh, Lance Hendrickson, that's right. Uh, Bill Paxton, I mean Paul Reiser, yeah, Paul Reiser, yeah. So many good names. I am. I can't tell you how excited I am to do this film. Like, like I, I, like I said, I, I, I don't know which film I totally like better. Which is a better film because they're both vastly different films. You mean the first one or the second one? And the, the second one, yeah. So Ooh. I am so excited to talk about it and see where it takes me. Because sometimes it just it takes me discussing this film and bouncing these things off somebody else to really kind of see what what works and what didn't. So I'm curious how that conversation is going to go and see where it, how it does stack up against Alien. Because I know there's people out there. You know, it's it's the same group that says, okay, what is better, Star Wars or Empire? Right? You know, you've got people in both camps. This is worthy of that dis- of discussion as well. Like, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are, and I'm curious to see what my thoughts are going to be at the end of that discussion. Because, as I've said, I'm not going to spoil it. I love that film, so right. I'm I'm very very excited for it to come up. 
Yeah, Alien and Aliens, like, all these movies are kind of special, too, because these are ones that we personally own. Like, it just so happens that these are streaming, so if anyone else wants to check them out and you have access to HBO or uh, or Hulu, like, Hulu's where I think Alien is streaming. Aliens might be up on HBO as well, or, you know, if you're out there and you own them, fucking feel free to watch them right along with us and let us know watch them, uh, yeah, what and, you think. Yeah, cause I, yeah and, and give us your thoughts, because I, I love to hear what the fans say. You know, everybody's got some fantastic views on there. Always something to contribute. Um, you know, you're just you're just getting to hear our thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah. please, anytime. Uh, where, where can they uh, provide us information? You, uh, everyone can find us at our home on the web at adamsnerds.com. It is A-D-A-M-S-nerds.com. And, and just real quick, to everyone who's been downloading the show, like truly uh, worldwide downloads with just... It absolutely just floors me every time I see it, you know, all over the U.S. and Canada, uh, as far away as Vietnam, Germany, fucking Jamaica. Dude, how how do, does everyone find the show? <laughs> like, really, and what keeps you coming back? I'm dying to know, so please well, let yeah. us know. I would, yeah, I'm from, very curious about that. Yeah, from the bottom of our hearts, like, we we appreciate it. I mean, we, we do this, like, normally. We would talk about this stuff, you know, normal conversations. But when you get to, like, do this and record it and, like, you know somebody else is listening and obviously kind of enjoying it because they're coming back, we appreciate it. Like, it's it's... It's just it, it makes us feel like it's worthwhile and you know, I, I enjoy doing to it enjoying it. I know you do too, Aaron. So yeah. Yeah. Keep it up. Yeah, and really everybody, thanks for checking out the show up. For those who don't know, uh, there are a couple of live podcasts as well. We sat down and watched a couple of live movies. We did the first Friday the thirteenth. Uh oh, <laughs> we yes. did Bloodsport, which both are wildly fun <laughs> movies. So we hope to do a couple yes. more live ones coming up as well. Uh so if you have any suggestions for that, let us know. Otherwise, uh, it's gonna be up to pick. And, you know, there's there's some interesting ones out there, but I think after the Aliens franchise, uh, we're done with these as well. Uh, we're going to come back later this summer because, as Brian told me, uh, there's a new Alien movie coming out later this summer that uh, yes. I hadn't really heard anything about really until uh, we sat down to watch this one. And it turns out it's uh, Alien Romulus coming out this summer, much like uh, Prey did in 2022. It's going to be released right onto Hulu this summer. Yeah, it's going to be very, I'm so looking forward to that film because I love this franchise and we'll, we'll circle back, you know, when we're done with the alien, the first, the original alien uh, quadrilogy, we're going to circle back eventually to, and get to Prometheus, Covenant and Romulus when the time comes. So it's so, going to be a lot of fun. Does that mean we're not going to do the Alien vs. Predator movies? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I, I know they're in continuity, but I, oh. oh, I don't own those. So I don't think they should technically count. They shouldn't. I yeah. mean, but they, they do have Lance Hendricks in one of them, at least. I know that. <laughs> oh, do they really? Yeah, he's in one of them. I can't remember which Shit. one. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I, I'm pretty certain he's in one of them. And, oh, it's, it's not good. Well, it's not. I think we'll just watch Aliens and we'll go from there. I'm very much looking forward to that, seeing that some more space marines fight giant bug-looking things. You know what I mean? It's always a good time oh, whenever man. that's happening. It's going to be fun. I, I'm so looking. I, I hope you can all join us, you know, when, next week when we yeah, yeah, big movies coming, everybody. Uh, but we're going to get out of here. We have got a ton of shit to watch. On behalf of Brian and Mary, we'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Can you dig it?